glass of beer and talk about uh, all the things we can. So spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time for. Old Iron Hand inspires a brewery. We leave the beautiful beach town of Gulfport, Mississippi, and make it to Mobile, Alabama. We talk with Ben of Iron Hand Brewing about fascinating history, magical bangers and mash, and the emergence of craft brew culture in the city of Mobile. I've been to Mobile once before, but only in passing. This trip, I intended to really embrace and explore the city properly. After slowly walking through the Carnival Museum, taking a stroll down Dolphin Street, meeting a bookstore cat appropriately named Mr. Beans, and talking with several locals at bars, I come to a stop at a park bench, and I think, you know, I like this city. It's nice. It's one of those surprising gems of a city that makes the occasional downsides of living in a van worth it. Oh, and the solid beer scene is worth stopping for. I sit on a rooftop as the sun sets. The local wheat beer is cold in my hands and refreshing. The band, to my enjoyment, starts playing Bye Bye Little Sebastian from one of the better episodes of Parks and Rec. I scan the beautiful skyline of Mobile, slowly. My eyes land on the next stop for the night. Iron Hand Brewing. I finish my beer, tip the band, and head towards Ben, Bangers and Mash, and beer that lifts the spirit. I meet Ben, who's really nice. His wife, Rebecca, uh, a professor and the owner of the establishment, couldn't be here, but she's there in spirit because history pervades the building. Eventually, we set up an interview for the following morning. I enjoy a peaceful, mobile night. I wake up, and I'm excited to talk more with Ben about Iron Hand. We meet again. I set up my gear, and Sarah, the bartender, pours me a great porter. Ben sits down, and we begin to talk. Well, I guess I'm sort of a jack-of-all-trades. I've done a little bit of everything over the years. Spent my formative years, my 20s, in, in Portland, Oregon, so that got me interested in the craft beer scene, yeah. uh, although just as a consumer, not as a not home brewing, not doing anything like that, just experiencing the craft breweries that were popping up there in the in the 80s and early 90s. What brought me down here to to the Gulf Coast, I my, I was in the military. My last duty station was in Pensacola, which is where I met my wife, who is, is the owner of this wonderful place. Okay. Shortly after we started dating, uh, I was working offshore. I needed a hobby. So we went into local homebrew store over there. We bought a whole, bu- whole bunch of home brewing equipment and mm-hmm. started making beer as, as just a hobby. This was probably um, eight or nine, about eight years ago or so. So it was a collective hobby from the start, you and your wife. I was more of the beer. She was, uh, she was trying to do the homebrew wine. We, uh, we did, oh, so oh, interesting. We, we did, we did a that. couple of batches of wine, Okay, uh, but the, the beer really took over. I brewed mostly by myself, mm. um, making a mess of our kitchen, Okay, which was, you know, Point of contention sometimes. We were in Portland and she made this flippant com- comment about, uh, hey, you should totally open a brewery. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, I'm looking at properties to open a brewery. So so why Mobile? Like, uh, how, how did that happen? Well, she teaches at uh, University of South Alabama. Mm-hmm. So that's that's here in town. So we were she was commuting back and forth. I was working offshore. Mm. Um, and 
we actually, you know, we when we decided that we were interested in opening a brewery, we we looked all over the Gulf Coast to see what we could find, and uh, probably looked at fifty to a hundred different buildings from New Orleans to uh, Milton, Florida. Yeah, and uh, when we saw this place, um, the the history of the building, the history of uh, this historic district that we're in, um, it just all it, it all really came together at that point. One thing I've found in my travels is this. There's this almost symbiotic relationship between the town and the breweries within it. The town or city influences the kind of breweries that initially emerge. How many are started, what they look like, the beers they serve, etc. But then, eventually, slowly, sometimes, the breweries start to influence the culture of the town. For example, Mobile, Alabama is just 52 minutes away from Pensacola, Florida. And they have completely different vibes, both the city and the breweries within the city. Here's Ben, who's lived in both Mobile and Pensacola, talking about the difference. Yeah. Pensacola, it's a tourist town. Um, it's right. a military town. Yeah. And so they, they've got a lot of outside influences coming in, a lot of people who are looking for craft beer. Mobile is an industrial town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got ninth biggest port in the country. We've got Austell, which is a shipbuilder. We've got Airbus, uh, Amazon. We, you know, there's a lot of industry in this town. And yeah. the people in, in Mobile, or people aren't coming to Mobile to, to tourist. They're going to the coast to tourist from Mobile. The craft beer scene never really has taken off here. It's starting to. Mm-hmm. It really is starting to. Mobile had one brewery that uh, was open 10, 15 years ago, and uh, it, it didn't make it. And there was nothing in Mobile after that until we and, and the other breweries that are here now started opening up. And so, now that Mobile breweries are on the rise, each brewery is beginning to foster community and shift the culture slightly more towards one that appreciates and encourages the production of craft beer and the gathering of friends. Ben and I talk more about this idea. And I was going to say, it seems like you're spear pointing that effort a little bit because to our knowledge, the first home craft beer festival was held here earlier this month. Sure. Yeah. We had a, a home brew festival mm-hmm. um, here on the 1st of first of April in, in support of uh, United Cerebral Palsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to my knowledge, it's the first truly homebrew festival in Alabama since homebrewing became legal about 10, 12 years ago. Right, right. 2008, uh, somewhere around there. Something, something like that. Yeah. I guess that's closer to 15 years now. Time mm. flies. It does, doesn't it? Um, so a lot of, a lot of breweries will bring homebrewers in and they'll, they'll have them brew at the, at the brewery. And we've done that as well. Yeah. Um, and then they put those beers on tap. Mm. Uh, but that's not technically home brewing because they're brewing it at the brewery and all the fermentation occurs at the brewery. So it's uh, you know, essentially a commercial beer at that point. Right. Uh, this was actually a home brew festival where we had, there's two active homebrew groups here and then another one over in Pensacola that all, all participated. We had about 20 or so home brewers and about 50 different styles of beer that, that came in. Yeah. And it was all actual home brew that, that they brought in. To my knowledge, it is the first actual homebrew festival that has occurred in Alabama since the legalization of, of homebrewing. I wouldn't doubt it. You're, you're fostering community. One thing that brought me into this building 
is the uh, what would you say uh, the saying the words above the building, which is if you don't have a friend in the world, you'll find one here. Yes, and and I think that's such an important part of what makes brewing and breweries special. Can you talk on that a little bit? This is a historic building in a historic district, mm. and uh, this building was originally a Baptist church. It was built in 1927 oh. as Hunter wow. Memorial Baptist Church. Okay, and it and it was um, active as a Baptist church for for many years. Right, and then they consolidated with one of the other churches in town and moved out of this location. It became the Waterfront Rescue Mission, which is a homeless shelter, and that saying that's above the door is, I believe, from from the Waterfront Rescue Mission, and they wow. operated out of this location from the early 60s until 2012. And wow. They outgrew, they outgrew the location, and they moved about – they built a new building about 10 blocks north or 10 blocks west of where we are. That was what they had above the door, and it sure. was completely appropriate for what we wanted to do here, which was – provide a a meeting place to be a, a local hub mm. and you know our our tagline is is actually crafting uh community through craft beer and that that saying that was above above there fit in perfectly translates perfectly and because this is a historic building in a historic district the historic the um the the um, historical society of some it, kind it's or, not the, it's uh, not that it was the um the consultant that our landlord uh, brought in said, okay. no, you can't get rid of that. So, okay. Perfect. <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> works for me. <laughs> well, just the fact that I thought it was intentional and you you put it there. I mean, right. It yeah. Fits. No, we didn't, but it, it fits in perfectly with yeah. with with both the, the waterfront's mission yeah. and and what, what we want to do as well. Yes. Yeah. Community. Community. And Ben, I have to tell you this. I told you this yesterday, but I came through here once before. I saw the that it was a brewing company. I saw the sign above. I went in, hungry, kind of sick, not feeling that well. And I ordered some bangers and mash with the porter I'm drinking now. And it just healed, fundamentally healed my soul a little bit. So I want to thank you for that. And I also want to talk a little bit about your scratch kitchen that we were talking about. We knew that we wanted to, you know, had to have food with the brewery. Um, yeah. Food and drink go together. People, you know, if, if you go into a tap room and all they've got is food, you're looking for the food truck out there, and and those are notoriously unreliable. Although we do have a food truck now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, there were a few items that we that we wanted to have. We're, we we concentrate on on British style beers, um, porters, stouts, wee heavy, ESBs, stuff like that. All great stuff. Thank you. So we wanted to have a few food items that were that that match that. Yeah, and I, if you've ever tried to find authentic English breakfast sausages in order to make bangers and mash, good luck. Can't happen. So we decided that we were, you know, we, if we were going to do that uh, with the shepherd, with that, and with the shepherd's pie, can't find fresh ground lamb. Yeah. So we decided that we, you know, we would do scratch kitchen on on that portion. And if you're doing a, if you're making scratch food for a part of your menu, do it for your whole menu. So, yeah. so most of what we do is, is scratch to the extent that we can, we, we do scratch. There's, there's a few things that we don't, we don't make the cheese, we don't make the tortillas, but, uh, everything, everything that we can do from scratch, we do. That's fantastic. And it shows. Ben and I are about to talk about the inspiration behind the name Iron Hand. 
And to no surprise to longtime listeners of the podcast, it's based in history, which we love here. I'll let Ben explain the details, but let me provide a brief context. In the first half of the 17th century, France strove with little success to develop Canada as a colony. By 1660, only a few thousand French were settled in all of Canada. With the ascension of Louis XIV, or the Sun King, as he later became known, to the French throne, there was a renewed interest and investment in New France. Crown subsidies and additional funding encouraged additional exploration and, consequently, the spreading of French influence throughout the Great Lakes region and, as you'll see, beyond. And with that context out of the way, I'll hand dot, 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 it back over to Ben to tell the rest. I wanted to ask a little bit about the name Iron Hand. How did you and, and your, what's your wife's name? I'm sorry. It's Rebecca. Rebecca. How did you and Rebecca come up with it? Well, this, we are sitting in Detonti Square Historic District, which mm-hmm. is um, one of the oldest historic districts in the country. Um, it is the oldest historic district in Alabama. Yeah. And Henri Detonti uh, mm-hmm. was Italian-born, uh, French explorer. So he, when he was a child, he, his family moved to, to France and he came over as one of LaSalle's main lieutenants. And by main lieutenant, I mean, this guy was a total badass. Um, <laughs> How so? He came over up through Eastern Canada okay, and was, uh, the main lieutenant in charge of building the Griffin, which was the first ship built on the Great Lakes. Oh, uh, he is okay. known as the father of Peoria, Illinois. Oh, um, oh, there we go. He is back uh, in my my home uh, territory a little bit. There you go. Um, he is the father of Arkansas. He he was in charge of building the first permanent settlement in the the territory of Arkansas. Wow. Uh, there's actually a town in northwest Arkansas called Taunty Town, which was named after him. Uh, uh, Italian immigrants came over and wanted to name their town after some famous Italian, and they chose sure. the, the 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 French explorer de Tonti okay. uh, to name okay. their town after. He was with LaSalle when LaSalle made it to the uh, Gulf of Mexico. Wow! He was one of the founding fathers of of Mobile. Sure. Uh, so Iron Hand is based on before he came over the new world mm-hmm. uh he was wounded in the battle of sicily he lost he lost his hand to uh 17th century hand grenade uh and had it replaced with an iron prosthetic uh, okay that you're right that is pretty badass yeah um, <laughs> and so you know the story is you know he he had his hand mangled and you know he cut it off himself in battle continued fighting wow. i don't know how true that is well, but I we'll mean, take we'll take some artistic uh, license with uh, okay. it okay <laughs> um and uh so anyway with with this metal prosthetic, you know, mm. he, he could hit somebody and knock them out with one blow. And the, and the natives, um, uh, here in, in, on the Gulf coast referred to him as Iron Hand. So wow. hence Iron Hand. Since Iron Hand, Iron Hand Brewing. Yes. I like it. So awesome. it looks like a pirate theme. We did take some creative license with the, with the logo to make it look like a pirate hook. But, sure. But, uh, um, he was, <laughs> I like it. I, yeah. I love history. Uh, this podcast loves history. I want to finish by asking you a question that I ask everybody. Why do you keep doing what you're doing now? What are you passionate about with Iron Hand Brewing, with, with brewing these English-style beers with fostering community and mobile? Our whole idea is is the fostering community, making a third place. Everybody's got – they've got their home that they go to. They've got their, their, their work that they go to. And they need to have a third place where they can go and – be comfortable. Yeah. And and that's what we want to do here. Mm. And 
I love having people come in, enjoy the place, and whether it's sitting down and having a glass of water and hanging out and sucking up the, the Wi-Fi, or whether it's bringing in a, a group of coworkers or friends and having a, a get-together at our location, yeah. um, I love that. Being a focal point for the community to come together, um, and you know, I love making beer. And and I love cooking, although they've they've kicked me out of the kitchen. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, then, <laughs> that's a story for another day. I Again, guess. <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, that's awesome. That's what beer's about, and uh, you can tell when you walk into a brewery like this where they foster uh, community communication, and you make great beer, which is just a perk. So thank you so much for talking with me today, Ben, and. Uh, Good luck with it, really. It was, it was great meeting you and, uh, and, and enjoyed the talk. Yeah, awesome. What an interesting story. Let's do something different. Let's do a visual exercise. All right, close your eyes. Not if you're driving. Don't, you don't have to close your eyes, but <laughs> imagine this. Okay, you're on a rooftop. The sun is setting. A cold wheat beer is in your hand. The band right in front of you starts to play this. What a great moment. It's just a testament to cities that you normally wouldn't go to visit. All of the the culture that's there, all of the moments that you miss out if you don't stop there. So, if you get the chance, check out Iron Hand Brewing, walk around Mobile. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for listening to the Beer Nomad Podcast. If you found value in the show, which I really hope you did, please rate and subscribe. That's how we get more people to see the show. That's how it grows. That's it for this week. Drink good beer and be good to each other. Cheers. Cheers.